Are you, like pretty much every parent of younger kids I know, looking for a smart entertainment option for your kids? Designed for kids ages 6 and up, Mysteries About True Histories, also known as Math, How Smart Is That?, is a weekly podcast full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and humor. And while kids will enjoy the stories anchored around characters like troublesome trolls, pirate queens, and mysterious aunts, adults can benefit too. I admittedly delighted in learning a thing or two about Pythagoras and triangles in one episode. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code-breaking, pattern-solving, and more, all weaving humor in with education to make learning fun. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a great length for transition times during the day or a bedtime treat. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, your host, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you will come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. As I approach this show's 300th episode, I am blown away by how often I continue to reach back to shows in the archive. For example, I just referenced episode 109, Decluttering for Normal People with organizing expert Rachel Rosenthal, on episode 279, Making the Most of Your Time with Laura Vanderkam. And in that conversation with Laura, We were talking about letting go of perfection in terms of planning your time. And that's when I brought up Rachel Rosenthal's interview about letting go of perfection when it comes to -to day-to-day organization, that the point is to have a plan and know where things go, not for it to look all perfect all the time. What a gift it is that people's voices and words can remain lodged in memory so many years later. That episode with Rachel aired four years ago, January 2018. I referenced Violet being six years old in the episode. It was a little wild to think about life back then. I'm under no illusion that other people wind all the way back to the early episodes of this show and know the content back and forth. So Given how powerful the back catalog is, and given my deep love for content and smart people and efficiencies that make a lot of sense, I decided that I'm going to periodically share what I call vault gems, where I will tie a back episode to something that is currently on my mind, add fresh observations, and then re-air parts of the original episode. Rachel's episode has been on my mind in particular because we are in a big phase of decluttering and reshuffling. As some of you might know, my older daughter Laurel headed to college this fall, and while we aren't touching her space, we're not throwing everything out, it's all still intact, 
the transition really offered a good opportunity for us to reflect and pause and look around at how we use our space and to commit to a move that we kind of were halfway in and that was necessitated by the pandemic and remote schooling when it no longer made sense for my girls to share a loft space. So now instead of I being kind of halfway between two spaces, she is fully into her current space and now we need to do a lot to declutter her old space. This started a few weeks ago. We began the process of getting rid of things and saying goodbye to toys and filling clothing bags for donation. It was actually kind of funny. A big piece of this is dismantling Lego sets and Playmobil and Calico Critters. Well, I don't think the kids want to get rid of those yet. I will link up some of my Instagram posts related to the Legos portion of this process in the show notes because, wow, people had a lot to say about my level of neuroticism on this topic. It's important for me to note here that we began the process a few weeks ago, as I just mentioned, and we are still very much in the process. It's very related to the conversation I had with Rachel. And when I was listening to that original interview, I was reminded of how persistent and evergreen the struggles are around decluttering, both individually and as a family. Rachel is truly amazing. You will hear that she is very tactical and very process-driven and also incredibly compassionate. And in this interview, we talk about typical decluttering and organization, but as it relates to everything from toys to your closet to food in your pantry. And we talk about really making things work for your family, which is one of the underpinnings of the show and always has been. We also talk about diffusing power struggles and sustaining organization. And of course, I just loved how much Rachel leans into the baby steps approach to getting all this done and making it really doable. So you won't be resentful and it will feel like moving to the joyful thing that you want. So I hope you love this interview. It's so great. Let's have a listen after a quick break. Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. 
I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. I want to start with, I, I love one of your mantras is life can't always be neat, but it can always be organized. I, I just, I think I love the reality and the forgiveness in that. And so I actually, but it takes, I kind of have to like always read that statement like once and then again. And so can you just explain how can things be messy yet organized? Yes. So a lot of people use those same two words together and neat is organized, but I disagree um, because I believe that organization is more of a way of life and sort of not this one time event. So no one's perfect. I'm here to tell you that. Um, But you can continue to live an organized life so that everything has a place. And it's, again, not about being perfect, because the way I explain it is you have to live. People need to live in their homes. Things get messy. However, when a guest comes over, when there is, you know, it's time for dinner, there's going to be a spot to put it away. So everything can be organized um, and have a place and have a system, but it's not always going to be neat in that everything is in a row or everything is color coded. Cause I just think that's completely unrealistic for everyday living. I don't mm-hmm. know if that makes sense, um, but it just makes for a simpler way of life and having it be organized makes it easier to be then to then become neat if you want that in the end, if, if that. Yeah, I think that's great. And actually, this is reminding me. So just over um, over the like this past weekend, um, I was organizing my six year old's books. And I, I think we share our love of organizing books in rainbow color. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I was doing that with her kids books. And we had pulled out a bunch to like pass it down to one of, um, you know, one of our her cousins. And she actually said to me, Okay, so how do I keep it like this so that I can find the books that I want? And I, it was like cute angels singing. My kid wants yeah. to like get organized. I love it. <laughs> um, well, that that's really really good. And you know, in your so you have a book, like um, I don't know what to call it, like kind of a booklet called the playbook. Yeah. And in it, you talk about um the the very good thing of letting your space constrain constrain you sort of as it relates to this one in one out strategy and i i personally have long loved this this approach it can be difficult to keep up with but it's it's actually a big reason why i'm against upsizing so i would love you to just maybe explain why this is so important and helpful in your own organization and you know with clients okay well i'm with you i am r- against upsizing i know a lot of our Clients always say, I need bigger. I need bigger because bigger is better. And I'm totally against it because I don't think always bigger leads to better. I think if bigger 
sometimes people need the, the, they feel the need to fill it. Right. And Mm -hmm. so the more room they fill it. And it's the same thing with a storage unit. You know, I want to hold all my stuff and I'm going to go out and get a storage unit, but I'm big believer in only keeping in your home, whether that be your closet or your kitchen or whatever things that you love and you're using at the moment. Okay. And so even if you did have a space for a ton more stuff, your physical clutter creates emotional clutter. And a lot of people don't realize that maybe in the moment, but when you see it, it's, it it makes sense. So for example, you know, you get a new pair of shoes, for example, and if you can get rid of one pair of shoes, that's taking up space in your closet to replace, you know, to have this new one, replace it, then you're not perpetuating the cycle of clutter because for, I can guarantee it that there is at least one pair of shoes in your closet that doesn't fit right, that you don't feel good in, that you paid a ton of money for, but it's just sitting there because you paid a lot of money for it. Mm -hmm. So having that sort of like one in one out strategy, again, like you said, is hard in actual when you do it, but it actually works. And and I'm a big believer in only keeping those things um, in your home, what you are using at the moment. Yes. I will say insert here, since you just referenced the shoes situation, that I would like to invite all of the um, moms out there whose feet have grown sizes since having children, yeah. because that is so many of us. I held on to my like seven and a halfs for so long. And then at one point I'm like, I just can't fit into these anymore. Like my children made my feet grow. So. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it was, I had the same thing. Yeah. It but was a huge amount of clutter out. It was good. <laughs> it, it is because that physical clutter, those shoes, for example, that you're looking at going, oh my gosh, I paid so much money for them or I loved them because I used to wear them, you know, before I had children that physical clutter is creating emotional clutter no matter what, right? Yeah. And it's 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 time to let it go. So that one in one out strategy is a really good technique to use if you are starting at that point. You know, mm-hmm. I tell people, okay, you have a little bit more leeway if you've done a huge declutter and you've gotten rid of, you know, 10 pairs of shoes, then you have a little leeway from there. But it's a good principle to think about when you are decluttering. Let's get to some tactical stuff because um, there are a few things I want to hit on um, during our time together. And the first is, family paper clutter. You know, we're back in the swing of things with school. Um, There's the uptick of paper notices. And I know you're a fan of the Family Command Center. And I I would just like your best, most simple recommendations for getting one of these things going. Okay. So um, yes, we are back in the swing of things. And paper clutter is the number one thing that families have and just people in general. So for a family command center, you're going to want to think about somewhere where the kids can actually reach and use it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the times, And again, and this is going to depend on their age, right? But we want to put it in a central location that the kids can use, reach, and actually see, all right? And I also say involve them in the process of creating this family command center. Again, it's going to be age-dependent, but if there is a color that they can write in or, you know, they can help you print out something or make a label, just have them be involved in the process because then it's going to be more become a a way of life for your family. Mm And then think about a space that's big enough to include it, and it should include a calendar. So that can be anywhere from a printed piece of paper calendar that you guys use because you use maybe an online calendar or a place for a printed calendar, any type of calendar use. Make sure you have enough space. So, you know, in my um, home, our command center is in our kitchen, but we have a large family calendar that we write out with appointments, activities, all that kind of stuff. But it's a big enough space for us to use and, and, and um, function in. Cause I also have places where every, my girls are, are turning 10 in a few days and they need a place to empty their backpack. So mm-hmm. placing all their paper, placing all that stuff, there needs to be enough room for that system to be in place. Cause it's not just about the calendar. 
Um, and, and the third tip, I guess, going towards that is have a place where you're going to have your paper clutter contained, right? And so I'm a huge fan of having an uh, upright hanging file box to contain all the mail that comes in. And 80% of the mail that comes in your house should not be put into this family command center. It should be put into the recycling bin. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so just creating categories, really easy categories. It should not be anything major. It should be very simple. So things like to pay, which would be any sort of bill, that type of thing, to read, which might be any magazines or newsletters that you all get in, and then to file. Mm -hmm. um, so again, anything within those categories. And then maybe you have one extra for your partner, your husband, whoever it is. But I think there should be a simple system in this family command center where everyone can go to to find their mail, to find a calendar where activities, you know, how the family's operating is in one place if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's great. And I love that. I love your emphasis on um, making it um, accessible to the kids because I, I came to a point where, so we just have like, we do it so old school. I've talked about it on this show before, but we, my, one, my kids and I will make like a big poster board calendar every, and it, the way we space it out, it can hold like nine weeks, which is pretty awesome to be able to see nine weeks ahead. Um, but I started doing that because I didn't want to be in charge of everybody's schedule anymore. I wanted to yeah. like, put something on a calendar. And now that they both, you know, Violet can read, she's six years old. Um, they can see now like when stuff is happening. And I was like, it was so great to get all of that stuff off of my calendar and just onto a central place. So I love that idea. That's great. That's yeah. great. All right. Well, you had mentioned it was, since we're talking about involving kids in the process, um, toy clutter. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about taming that. And Asha specifically asked me to ask you if you have specific tips for including kids in the process or framing it in a way that avoids a, pro a power struggle. And her context is, you know, when, when her kids were little, they would kind of ignore the toys and, you know, they would all kind of stack up. But then when, when it was time to actually declutter, they wouldn't want to give things up. So I, I guess I was wondering if you have tips on sort of how to deal with um, winnowing that stuff in a way that isn't just an extraordinary battle with your kids. Yes. Yes. Well, I will preface this and say, as a parent, you know, your child best, right? So when I'm called in um, and work with children, I'm trying to come from my approach, but I always talk to the parent first and say, you know, your child best. And so I want to defer to your, you as a parent. So um, I just want to start off and, and preface that. So mm -hmm. um, I actually think right now is the best time to go through toys. I know that it, that seems crazy, but we've had the holiday rush. So that's a great time. All these shiny and new, you know, gifts and toys are there. So it's a great time to declutter and get rid of the stuff that's broken that, you know, the kids aren't playing with because they're now looking at these new things. And so a great way to involve your kids is right now, choose three, choose five, however that number, whatever that number is that are important to them. And that might be important because they're new or important because they play with them all the time and say, these are the important toys, right, that we're going to keep and try to organize into this space, wherever it is, a bedroom, a playroom. And then let's think about three things or whatever that number is that we don't play with anymore. And that includes something that's broken, a toy that's cracked, you know, whatever it is, or they've grown out of. I and mean, that's a lot of a sticking point for a lot of people. So sometimes I'll work with parents and say, you know, your child is now eight and they're no longer playing with the whatever it is. And so now can we approach your child and bring them into the process and say, okay, now you're a big boy and you're not playing with the, I don't know, toy blocks anymore because now you're on to the Spider-Man action figures. So how can we let go of that toy because you're now such a big boy and 
let it go, right? Mm-hmm. And does that go to a, a cousin like you were talking about with your with the books? Does it go to you know donation at that point? I don't know if they would understand donation, but again, it's going to depend on the age of your child. And so then you're going to create a home with your child for those important toys and then think about how to let go of those ones that are not important. So mm-hmm. involve your child. Can they make a label? Is there something or can they write? Can they read? I'm not sure. Can they draw or color in something that you've printed off from a computer? It doesn't have to be complicated. Um, and, you know, go as even as far as my girls are almost 10. So now they're in the process of like, OK, they love certain colors. Am I going to let go and say, I don't care that the bin you're going to put your, I don't know, American girl doll in is pink and I'm going to let them have part of the process and say, all right, let's go find a pink bin together Mm -hmm. Um, or, you know, have them be part of the process. Because if not, it's going to be the mom standing over them going, all these things are clutter. You don't play with any of them with a trash bag and just it's not going to involve them. They're not going to understand the process and they're not going to understand why they're doing it. Because in the end, we want to think about organization as a way of life and not this one time event where we're ripping off the Band-Aid and getting all the toys because it's going to be a way of life and then you're not going to have this huge purge. But any way to involve them, um, it will then get easier over time because I always have parents say to me, oh, my child's not going to let anything go and it is going to be a power struggle. The more they do it, the more it becomes a way of life it will be then come a way of life in the end. Yep. Right? It will not be this huge power struggle, I promise you. Um, well, yeah, and you just, I feel like um, you hit on something very important um, at the beginning where you said something like, um, choose a metric, like choose that it's going to be, you know, taking three things away or five things away. I think that is actually a genius tip because with kids, it's all about choice, right? If you want to, right. If you want them to like, they want to feel some control over the situation. So if you put something around it and then have them make the choice, I think that is, that is really, really, really smart. Yes. I think involving them more than, you know, is the best option. I know people want to, you know, look, I still throw things away without my girls seeing them, but they, they are now in the process where they throw things away. They'll, they'll come home and they'll say, Oh, we don't need this. We don't need that. Or we have a birthday coming up. So that's another great time. Um, a lot of new stuff will come in. So we can't bring the new stuff in if we haven't cleared out the old stuff and made room for that new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, if that makes sense. So there are a lot of sort of uh, times within the year, uh, spring, you know, spring break, spring cleaning, holidays, you know, the summer that have these natural times to declutter. But again, I think after the holidays is a perfect, perfect time if you haven't decluttered with your children as part of the process to actually start it and mm-hmm. um, have them be brought into it. And again, go towards your child and see what they're leaning towards. You know, do they love Legos? Okay, well, how do we figure out how to organize those Legos and let go of the other things so that your Legos can be front and center? Or do you want to display some of your Legos? You know, I think bringing the more the more they're into it, the more they're bought in, the more you're going to have um, cooperation and a way of life mm-hmm. um, moving forward. That's great. That's great. All right. Well, so I want to just um, pivot a little bit. And I was so interested when I heard your presentation um, in the fall. You were talking about um, this is actually about food food clutter, as it were. And you were saying that the average household throws out um, six hundred and forty dollars worth of food a year, which is about 16 percent for, you know, on average, which is nuts. And um, everyone, including Asha, talks about the importance of meal planning. But for some reason, I find this to be quite hard. <laughs> we have a well, I mean, we have a well-stocked pantry just because I do like cooking and baking. Um, but beyond that, I'm not really great at it. So 
I guess my question for you is how do you, um, or I don't know if this is part of your work, but how do you get people who are resistant to meal planning to meal plan and avoid food clutter or waste? Or maybe it's not so much the meal planning, but getting your food organized. I don't know. So I guess that's my question. Yeah, I think they go uh, hand in hand, right? And so I'll start on if you don't meal plan. If you don't meal plan, it's thinking about your pantry and how it is organized because you can cut down on so much clutter with your food, both in your fridge and your pantry, if your thing is or if your those spaces are organized. So for example, keeping all of the oatmeal together, all the snack bars together, all the pasta together. If you know what you have, you're gonna cut down on a lot more waste when you have to go to the grocery store. So it's a lot more easier to make a list and not buy 12 more, you know, granola bars or a pack of granola bars, if you can see the granola bars you actually have. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, and unloading the granola bars when they come home in the pantry, taking that five extra seconds to take them all out of the box and put them into a container actually is gonna save a lot of food waste and a lot of your money in the end because you're not gonna know, okay, I need to go to the grocery store for granola bars. You can't see if there's three bars in that pack anymore mm-hmm. or if there's one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, Having your food organized by category, being able to see what you have, because a lot of the times out of sight of mind, even questions about refrigerator, uh, will then be able, you'll then be able to save a little bit of money and cut down on that food waste. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I even have my you know fridge organized and it's not perfect, but there are fruit, for example, or things I want my kids to reach on the lower levels. And then they know okay, here's the fruit, here's what we can get to. And then on the upper levels, we have different items. But each drawer maybe has, one drawer has vegetables, one drawer has fruit, but we know and it's categorized so that before I go to the grocery store, I can say to myself, do we have apples? I can see where the apples are, if that makes sense again. Right, right. Um, Meal planning is a different story, but also ties into it. So I personally was not a huge meal planner (laughs) for a very long time, and I am still not a seven days a week meal planner. But I think the key to it is starting small. Mm-hmm. You don't feel the need to plan a meal for every single night of the week um, and go from, you know, start with one night and maybe go from there. So being able to meal plan just and you set a time time to meal plan actually is going to give you the ingredients. For example, I do mine on Sunday night. So I know, let's say Monday, we're going to be I'm going to attempt to do this. And maybe Thursday, I'm going to attempt to make another meal. When I'm writing out what that meal is, I'm actually organizing my grocery list at the time. And I'm looking at my fridge and saying, we have this, so we're going to be making this. Or mm-hmm. I have to go to the grocery store for this. So I'm not overbuying when I do go to the grocery store. And I'm using what we have because then I can actually see what we have. So I think it's about giving yourself a plan you know, what to expect for each meal. And I know that can seem intimidating for a lot of people. And it definitely takes some time and practice. I will say that. Um, But in the end, it's you're left with less of a scramble of, okay, what's, you know, what am I getting for dinner or going out and purchasing something and not using the leftovers, whatever it is. Um, I think in the end, it just helps you organize, you know, your food prep that way and saving you money on the back end. Um, Yeah, I think that's that's super smart. I'm going to I'm going to get my my pantry start organized. Small. Yeah, start, start small. small. We are we are big into the baby steps here, so I yes. I love it. Yes. I love it. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your 3-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. 
For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. I would love to know if you have a top actionable tip or two for people who want to make some headway on cleaning out their closet, but don't have the time or energy to like dump the whole thing out and start over. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So first of all, I tell people, do not take everything out. I mean, that's normally what I would do with my client, but don't. It's going to be too overwhelming and you're Mm -hmm. going to be defeated, you know, really early on. So Instead, I would say start with one category. So people say, well, where do I start? Choose the easiest spot for you. And maybe that's dresses because you don't wear them all the time. Or maybe because, you know, you do wear them all the time. That's the easiest for you. Or maybe it's your T-shirts and go from there. So I would pull out one category at a time. And any of those items that you're going to pull out, think about if they are overly worn, they don't fit, or you simply don't like them. Then the question would be, why would you be putting them back into your closet? Um, start small. So. If you have support, that's another tip that I like to say, it's always helpful. So whether that be a spouse, a friend, a relative, whoever it is, have that person be someone that can give you their honest feedback on what should actually stay and what should go. Mm -hmm. So if you are using your shirts, for example, and you have 10 black shirts, I would have someone there if you can to say, you know what, do I really need these black 10 shirts? Even if black 10, those shirts are part of your wardrobe, I remind people there's only seven days in a week. Then so thinking about what you should keep and what you should, um, you know, uh, whether it be donation or consignment. Um, and if you're stuck on something, whether or not to keep it, an, an easy tip that I've always used, and it's great for the beginning of the year, is simply turn the hanger the opposite direction. So when you're ready, you know, you put your closet back, an actual different way. So if your hanger is the right way, switch your hangers around so they're all going backwards. And then when you go and actually use the shirt, you're going to put it on, you're going to use it for the day, you're going to put it back on the hanger the right way. So by the end of a few weeks, you're going to see which clothing is still turned the opposite way. Oh, very smart. Yeah. So even if you don't have time to organize your entire closet, just switching the hangers the wrong way right now is going to give you a 
great starting platform to say, what did I use this winter, for example? And then by the by the springtime, you're going to say, you know what? I have five out of the 10 shirts that are turned the wrong way still. There's a reason why you didn't go for those shirts, right? Mm-hmm. Is it because it doesn't feel good? You don't think it looks great on you? Then you can start the, de-process, the, the process of decluttering and say, all right, is this something that can go to donation? Is this something that can go to uh, consignment? Oh my uh, gosh, brilliant. <laughs> It's a great, easy tip. It's a great, easy tip that really works and it doesn't take a lot of effort. Um, And, you know, I think a quick way to make a big impact is just start by categorizing the contents. So that's like with like. So if tops with tops, bottoms with bottoms, dresses with dresses, you know, that way it's a great way to do a quick inventory and say, this is how many X I have. This is how many sweaters I have. And so it's going to reduce your time in the end, how long it takes to get dressed in the morning, how long it takes to find an outfit. Again, if you don't have a lot of time, but you want to start to do something that makes a quick impact, categorizing at least will give you that head heads up or fresh start there. I, I think that's great. And just to piggyback on the on the hangers thing a while back. So I have a walk-in, a sort of, it's not huge, but it's a walk-in closet. It's got shelves. So I don't even have a dresser. I just, everything mm-hmm. goes in there. And a while back when I did, was cleaning out the closet, I said, you know what, I'm going to buy... I forget if it was 50 or a hundred, but some fixed number of those like slim felt hangers. And, and I was like, that's all the clothes I'm going to hang. And so if I, if I get new clothes, I got to get some stuff out of here. And it was, it was just like the one in one out rule, but it just made it so much easier to just have this fixed number. And then all the hangers are the same and they look nice. And I don't know, you like going in your closet more. I don't know. (laughs) Yes. Everything hung at the same level makes a huge difference. And I try to tell people, and I know this is going to sound crazy, but the dry cleaner gives you those hangers for free. There's a reason. They're not the best to keep your clothing on them. So I know it takes effort to take off the bag and which aren't good for your clothing anyway, and get rid of that hanger and put it onto a hanger like you talked about. But it makes a huge difference in the feeling that you get physically when you walk into your closet and actually organizational wise, um, having everything at the same level. Yeah. All right. Okay. So I, I have a couple more questions. I know you've, you've yes. got a, we have a limited amount of time. I feel like I could talk to you all day long, but um, <laughs> I would love to know, and I'm sure our listeners would love to know. Um, I, I know you have a lot of favorite organizational products, but what would you say are a couple of like super high usage, super high impact um, workhorses in your collection? Yeah. So I would say drawer dividers are a huge life changer. So being able to divide a drawer and give it a different category, whether that be in your closet, in your kitchen, drawer dividers are huge um, and make a big impact. Um, Also drawer inserts. So that could be anything from a jewelry drawer in your bathroom to contain makeup. Just having some sort of um, divider and insert in your drawer really is a great way. It's a one-time investment and it helps structure the inside of your drawer. So there is no more junk drawer because I know that in this one bin, I have pencils or I have tape or in your makeup, you know, category in your bathroom, here are all my, you know, flosses, here are all my blushes, whatever it is, those two drawer dividers and drawer inserts makes a huge difference with keeping categories separate and um, organized and just more efficient. Um, I also love Clear bins, and I know that sounds just very broad, but clear bins in any sort of various sizes are so great, and you can transfer anything between category and category, room to room, so they're very multi-purpose. Um, uh, and the good thing about them is you can see what category is inside of it. So they make mm-hmm. them in all shapes and sizes, you know, under your bed, on a shelf, you know, small accessory boxes, shoe boxes, whatever size they are. But they're such 
great investments because you can use them time and time again for various spaces um, in your house. And I love them. Awesome. Very smart. All right. Now, so what, now that we've, you know, by the end of listening to this episode and maybe a couple of weeks in, people are super organized, they're loving it, but then sort of the dumpster fire of life sort of creeps in. <laughs> so I'm curious, you know, do you have any like easy tips for how to sustain organization once you get there? I know, I mean, I know we talked right on the front end about how, you know, things will get messy, but um, yeah, like what, what's, a, what are, what are some top ways that you recommend to people to sustain a system once they've got it in place? So I would schedule it. I know that sounds crazy, but it's like going to a doctor's appointment. You don't want to go, but <laughs> you know, you feel better after you've gone. If you have to schedule it or like any other priority, you're going to skip it. So that doesn't mean you have to schedule it every week, but you do have to write it in and schedule it like you would any other appointment and keep it with yourself. Um, two is make it a lifestyle. So create systems that are going to work for the way that you live, not the way you see your neighbor live or you see on Instagram mm. or Pinterest, but make it a, a lifestyle. You know, for example, we have a basket um, by the entrance of our door for shoes to go inside of. They don't have that system does not interrupt our, our day or life or whatever. Um, and the ba basket actually doesn't really match very well, but it's a system that works for us because it's not interrupting the way we're currently living. It's just a easy. I can see it. It doesn't have a top on it. I'm throwing my shoes in there, but it's containing all the shoes. And then when someone knows what they, they need to go get a shoe, they go to that bin, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So make it a lifestyle. Don't do this. It doesn't have to be color coded unless you want it to be. Make it system and how it works for you and your family and how they're living. Um, you know, I think another thing is you can do a big purge in January and then you might lose steam, but I, I would recommend not doing this huge, I have to rip off the bandaid and do it this huge long purge. I think you have to do it in increments and small baby steps. So again, you can keep up with it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you want to be able to keep up with it and not be done after a marathon weekend and everyone's involved. And then by February, we're not thinking about it and it's just getting back to the system the way it is. So make it a lifestyle and do it in chunks. Um, yeah. and then, you know, choose products, if uh, you are going to be doing products that are part of your home's aesthetic or what you want your home's aesthetic uh, to look like so that you're more inclined to keep up with it. You know, if you hate vanilla folders, if you hate plastic bins, don't use those in your house. Go and, you know, find that color bin, find that shape, whatever it is that will in the texture that you're excited about so that you're not going to only make your house look more beautiful, but it's going to be organized in the same thing. And you're going to want to keep up with it because. I would hate for someone to, you know, I see people wandering, you know, aimlessly around the container store going, oh, I just need a bin to find this. It's first about getting the clutter under control, decluttering, then layering on a product if you need a product and making sure that product fits with your aesthetic and you want to look at it and you want to keep it up because otherwise, again, you're just going to go back to life before. Yes. No, no resentful organization. No. <laughs> that's a, I hate that's, this. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good idea. I hadn't really thought about that, but it is the, the aesthetic piece is really, it is important. I mean, you're going to look at it every day and you want to be able to, you know, be into it every day. So, yeah, I think people don't realize that organization ties in with the aesthetic of your home. And it should, I always say it's things should be beautifully organized. You know, I'm sitting at my desk right now. I love the look of acrylic. Some people don't like that because you can see through it, but that to me, is giving me inner peace by looking at it and something that's containing my files, you know, who loves paper, right? But mm -hmm. it's acrylic and I'm more inclined to go to it because I like the look of it to go and file. Mm. My 
Very interesting. All right. Yeah. Very cool. Well, this has all been amazing. And um, I just want to close with, um, as at the close of each of our shows, we do something called Your Next Edit, which is an actionable tip that listeners can take away from the show and implement right away. And I would just be curious what your next edit would be related to our conversation. We hit on so many things, but you know, what would be a top thing that you would recommend people to tackle? Uh, top thing I would say is write down everything you want to do to get organized and schedule a time to get it done. So whether you're using an electronic form of a you know to-do list or a written, I would say write it down and get it all out and then start with those chunks. And you're going to, everyone says, well, where do I start? Choose an area that's bothering you the most and start there. So, you know, maybe you're interested in losing weight this year. Uh, that's a big <laughs> the resolution people are saying. So start in the pantry, for example. Mm, and then mm -hmm. there are steps that would have you have to do to get that pantry organized. You're going to have to remove all the foods that are expired or don't fit with your weight loss goals. Then you're going to have to maybe make a shopping list based on what's needed for the products to go, you know, the food to go into in there. And then you're going to have to categorize everything back into your pantry. So there's a ton of steps that are involved in organization. So think about that area that's bothering you the most and start there. And like we were talking about, do it in chunks, put on music, make it fun, um, you know, involve your family if you can. Um, so that it's not this, I'm alone on this journey because organization and a way of life is going to, it's going to, you know, change your life, the way you're living, um, and simplify it so that you are able to get towards whatever your goal might be. Um, but it is possible if you think about it as a way of life and, you know, not again, a one-time event, um, well, so. yeah, that's amazing. Um, and the perfect way to close this out, I feel like I, my mind is kind of like exploding with things I want to do now, which is great. <laughs> um, but Rachel, I can't I can't thank you enough for sharing your you know wisdom and real life advice. Um, this was just awesome. So thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Okay, friends, you'll find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources and related episodes at edityourlifeshow.com. As ever, I would love to hear your thoughts and questions. Come say hello on Instagram or Facebook at Edit Your Life Show, or send an email to edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. I would also be grateful if you would drop Edit Your Life a review on Apple Podcasts or tell a pod-loving friend about the show. Thanks for listening. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist, and I'm an author of the book How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.